welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to bonus episode two, the greatest hunt of all time. This is the long version. The greatest hunting story of all time has been going on for all time. If you go back to the beginning of time, there was a man and woman, and they chose a really bad choice. And that choice separated them from God. And mankind has always made that choice over and over again up until today. And you and I have both made that choice, but that has not stopped God from hunting us down, trying to get us to die to ourselves and accept the gift that he's given. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Today is going to be a little bit different than what we've ever done before. This is a bonus episode, so we are not going to have a guest on. Today, we are going to unpack this greatest hunting story of all time. We're going to learn it from beginning to end, and the reason I want you guys to hear this is pretty much on the show, typically I keep things very light in this department, but I think that if you were, let's just let's just put it this way, if you were going through the woods and you bumped into a guy, um, you didn't know who he was, and you just said, oh, hey, who are you? And he said, I'm not sure. So okay, well, where, where'd you come from? Where are you going? And he says, I, I don't know. And you say, well, what are you doing here? Uh, I don't have a clue, he says. You would think what about that guy? You'd think that he's lost, that maybe he's in danger, that maybe he's lying to you. Who knows? I mean, it's kind of a weird situation. Yet today, I believe there are a lot of people that have no idea where they actually came from. Uh, they, they don't know where they're going to go ultimately. They don't know where they go after they die. Some people think they go to the dirt. Some people think they automatically go to heaven. Some people think they're going to hell. They don't know. And a lot of people, though, today also don't know why they are here or who they are. And I believe that those answers can be found solely in the Bible. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to unpack this. Now, if you want a shorter version, kind of a quick to the point uh, version of this, go back and listen to the short version, which is the episode below before this. It's bonus episode one. And if you check that out, that's a short version. But today I thought maybe some of you might want to dig a little bit deeper and try and understand what's the point of life and, and where are you going? And in order to do that, I have to make two assumptions first off. One, I'm just going to assume that you believe that there is a God. If you believe that, if you don't believe that, then it's it's going to be a little bit harder, and you may need to email me, um, and we can talk a little bit about how you've came to that conclusion. I'm not here to try and yell at anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm still not here to try and cram Jesus down anybody's throat, but just to let you know what I think the Bible says. Send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com if you have any questions as we go through this. But uh, second assumption is that the Bible is God. God's word. And so uh, I try not to get my information from any one man, from any um, book that's written about the Bible or the Pope himself. I, I want to hear it. If the, the word of God is, in fact, what it claims to be, then I want to hear it from the Bible. And so today I'm going to try and back up everything I say with what scripture teaches. So that said, we're going to dive in. And the first thing I want you to know is that God created us to be with him. In Genesis 1-1, we hear the creation of the universe and God creates mankind in his own image. That means he, he does something different than whenever he made the animals and all of that before. He breathes into man the breath of life and man has a soul. 
a living, breathing soul inside of us. It's different than our, our physicalness. It's, it's something else. It's what lasts forever. And God places man and woman in the garden, and they enjoy life, and they have this incredible paradise. We know that they ran around naked. <laughs> and you think, that's kind of weird, but really, they had no concept of right or wrong. Just picture like a two-year-old kid just enjoying life. Usually, my kids, you know, they sometimes run around naked. They have no shame, no shame at all. And life is perfect, and they get to walk right next to their creator, God. Just picture being in the woods and they're out there exploring and enjoying and there's no thorns to get stuck in their feet. It's just a paradise. And they can do anything they so desire. But one thing, God gives them a choice. He puts a tree in the garden. And that tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells them, do not eat of this tree because when you do, you will surely die. Now, why does he even put the tree there? Well, that's because I believe God didn't create us to be robots. He wanted a relationship with his people. He wanted to love us. Now, if I went up to my wife before we were dating and I said, you must marry me, you must love me, you have no choice, how do you think that would have gone? Not so great, right? Love is a choice, so he gives people a choice. Have Everything that you want in the garden, absolutely everything, every fruit, every plant, name the animals, have a great life with him, with your creator. But just stay away from that one tree, because if you eat it, you're going to know, you're going to know good and evil. You're going to know the evil in the world, and you're going to choose to do evil. Well, it doesn't take too long for that very thing to happen. In Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bible, if you want to look at Genesis 3, you'll read what's called the fall of man. There's a serpent there, and this trickster guy, he's, uh, he's like a lizard, flying lizard kind of thing. We don't know exactly what he was, but I do know this. Satan was using this serpent. Satan is a fallen angel that has nothing but death and destruction on his mind, and he wants to mess everything up. And so he tempts the woman, and he says, did God really say that you can't eat this fruit? And she said, yes. And he says, you will not surely die. You'll know the difference between right and wrong. He told her a half-truth. She would surely die because God had told her that. And sure enough, she eats it. She gives it to her husband. They both choose something other than God. And in that moment, they look down and realize they are naked. They feel shame for the very first time because they have done something God had told them not to do. And so they hide. They make fig leaves for themselves. And God comes and he sees what has happened. And he says, there's going to be a load of consequences. And if you want to know why the world is messed up, it's that right there. It's that thing called sin. Sin messes everything up. And God says there's going to be consequences for the man, woman, and the serpent. And those consequences are huge. He says, you guys are going to have to leave this garden. There is now separation between me and you. And so he has to drive the man and woman out of the garden. And you think all is lost. But we get a little glimpse of something here at the end of Genesis 3. At the end of Genesis 3, it says that God clothed them in animal fur before he kicks them out of the garden. You and I both know where animal fur comes from, okay? <laughs> that animal does not willingly just give up its coat. God kills an animal, and I don't know if Adam and Eve had ever seen that before. God spills blood in order to cover up their shame and their nakedness. Remember that. But man now is separated from God. They cannot get back to God no matter how hard they try. There's an angel placed at the gate of the Garden of Eden. They cannot make it back. And that is a picture of what happens whenever you and I sin. 
You see, the Bible says that there is some bad news that you and I need to learn. And we're going to go through this very quickly, but you need to know the bad news before you appreciate the good news. And the bad news is this. We have a law that we cannot keep. The Bible is going to give us the Ten Commandments plus a lot more commandments. And in James chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, it says, He who fails on one part of the law is guilty of breaking all of it. So you can say, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. But is there any time that you've ever said something that was uh, said in a mean and hurtful way? Did you uh, ever lie? Did you ever steal? We all have done something to break God's law. We've all done that. We have a law that we have not been able to, to keep. And if you mess up on one part of that law, you fall short of God's standard. And you are separated from God. So we have a problem with God's law. The second thing is sin. And that is what sin is. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So every single one of us, all mankind, we have all fallen short of God's standard. You know, we all have chosen to do things that we wish maybe that we hadn't have done, and that's what you call sin. And, and here's the reality. You actually sin more than what you think you do. There's things that we do that we think, well, I didn't know that was a sin. Well, you find out that it is offensive to God. And if he is perfect, and if he is love, and if he is just, also just, not just loving, if he is just, then he has to be, if he's a good judge, People get punished for their crimes. And so here's some bad news as well. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. You and I owe death for our sins. That's the price. You know, just picture that, you know, whenever you were like a 12-year-old kid, you broke something in your house, and your mom and dad come up to you and say, what happened? And all of a sudden, you just, you need you need to get out of this situation. So you're transported in your mind to a little store, and you walk in, and there's, it's a lie store. And inside that store are all manner of good lies, and you pick out a really good lie. The store manager comes up to you and says, oh, do you want that lie? He has a smile on his face. And you say, yeah, I'd love this lie. How much is it? And he says, the, the price is, is, is death, spiritual death. That's what you got to pay for this. And you say, wow, that's a really high, high price, but you really need the lie, so you take it. And you go home and you tell your mom and dad that lie. And that is the cost that you have to pay. And whether it was a lie or cheating or stealing or cussing or punching somebody or whatever it was, we all have bought the lie. And that store manager is Satan. And since the beginning of time till now, he has been tricking us, selling us lies. Selling us the lie that we will not surely die when in fact we will. Adam and Eve, you notice, they did not drop dead right then and there when they ate that apple. What happened? Spiritual death. Not just physical death. We know physical death is coming, but spiritual death. So you have a law that you can't keep. You have sin that you can't get rid of. You have this guilt now because you owe something that you really don't want to pay. And the end result is a place that you don't want to go. In Luke 16, 19-31, it tells the story of rich man and Lazarus. And this rich man lives his life feasting, and Lazarus is a poor man, a beggar man who lays at his gate. And they both die. And it says, Lazarus goes to Abraham's side, or a picture of paradise. And the rich man is in torment on the other side of this chasm. He is burning, and he asks Abraham, please let Lazarus just dip his finger in some water and touch my tongue, because I am in agony. And Abraham says, 
no can do. There is a chasm. There's this giant uh, Grand Canyon of a thing between us and you, and nobody can cross it. So I want you to notice a few things about that story. That man, the rich man, he is fully conscious of what's going on. He feels real pain, and he has tremendous regret for what he's done on life. And there is nothing that he can do to change it. Absolutely nothing. So if you die in this sinful, separated-from-God condition, then your forever state is a life of torment that you will never get out of. I know that that is a downer, but it is reality according to the Bible. Not everybody gets to go to heaven, believe it or not. It's not just reserved for the Hitlers and the Stalins and the crazy psychopaths of this world. It is for those who die in a sinful state separated from God forever. And the bad news is there's nothing you can do to get rid of that sin. Absolutely nothing. You have to pay the price. The price is spiritual death. That's what you owe. If you buy something from me for $2,000 and you come and try and give me 2,000 high fives, it's not going to work. I'm going to, to demand what you actually owe. And we owe spiritual death. And that is the bad news. But the hunt doesn't end there. <laughs> God, because he is good, because he is loving... He keeps hunting his people. He keeps chasing them, trying to get them to come back to him. He teaches them this thing called sacrifice in the Old Testament, and that culminates and leads to the New Testament. And God has this master plan. He's going to take care of the people's sin once and for all. And he does that by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus comes, and the question is, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? Is he just a man? Is he a prophet? Did he even really live? Well, historians really do believe Jesus lived. There's a lot of uh, historical evidence outside the Bible. But beyond that, the Bible itself makes some very bold claims about Jesus. Mark 1.1 says, in the beginning of this, the, the Son of God, Jesus the Son of God, is born. So the Bible clearly states that Jesus is, in fact, God's Son. It also states that he never sins. He never wants sin. He lives a perfect life. John 8, 29, Jesus says, I always do what the Father tells me to do. Jesus never once sins like you and I. You know, he's the only human that has ever successfully done that. He lives without offending God, without breaking the law. So you might say, okay, uh, who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. And what has he done? Well, he, he lived a perfect life. Um, but what does he want? Like, what does Jesus want? And if you read Mark eight thirty four through 35, Jesus wants you to take up your cross and follow him. So taking up a cross, that's a cross we wear as like a necklace now, and we'll, we'll put it on keychains, we'll do all kinds of things with a cross, but that would be like wearing an electric chair around your neck or putting a keychain with a, uh, an electric chair on it because a, the cross is a symbol of death. So what does that mean? Well, we have to understand a little bit more about what Jesus did, and you guys know the story, you've heard about Easter, but it is incredible. Jesus lives a perfect life, and these religious people can't stand him because he's taking away their power, and Jesus talks to the least, like the most <laughs> unpopular people in society. 
He talks to tax collectors and people with skin diseases, prostitutes, people who get drunk, and he never once does what they do, but he spends time with them trying to teach them a way to live. And the religious people can't stand it, and they have Jesus go on trial. They accuse him of all things, and the only thing that they're ever actually able to nail him on is that Jesus claims to be the Son of God, which they cannot believe or take. And so they nail him to a cross, nails through his wrist, nails through his feet, and he hangs there and has to pull himself up every moment to grasp a breath. And he's on that cross for hours. And then... He breathes his last. And they lay him in a tomb. He's dead. But then three days later, he comes out of that grave. He walks out of that grave on his own accord, on his own power. And he shows everybody that he has conquered death. Now, why does he do this? Why does he willingly, he chose to go to the cross? He, was, he had an option at several points to get out of it, and he never chose to get out of it. Why does he do that? Romans 5, 6, and 8 would be a good verse for you to read. Jesus died for you. He, on the cross, is taking your payment. What do you owe? You owe death. On the cross, Jesus is willingly choosing to take that death. And it's not just physical. You may have seen the Passion of the Christ and it shows this terrible thing that Jesus went through physically. Yes, it was absolutely terrible, but that's not the half of it. Jesus literally goes through hell for you. Jesus descends into this place, that the same place that the rich man was, and he's there for three days. But then something happens. It's like he takes the keys out of Satan's hand, death no longer belongs to him, and he walks out of the grave alive, conquering death. And he stands there saying, death no longer has reign over you. I've taken care of it for you. And you think, man, that is incredible. It is incredible. But the question is, what must you do? That's good news that Jesus has done that. But what must you do? Well, if you read Acts chapter 37 through 42, Jesus has ascended, which means that he rose back up into heaven to be with his Father. And he says to the disciples, his followers, before he goes, you need to go and tell everybody this news. Tell everybody, spread this message. Let people know that there's a purpose to their life that's to live for God and to follow me, to take up your cross, die daily. You know how God is hunting, how we said that? God wants you to die to yourself and to follow Jesus. And, And the people that they speak to right off at the beginning, they say, what shall we do? They realize, like you and I, our sins have caused Jesus to go to the cross. What shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So repent, to be sorry for what you've done. Are you sorry for what you've done to God? Are you sorry for that sin that you have committed, that that you are the reason and I am the reason that Jesus went on the cross? Are you sorry for that? You can repent of that. And then you're baptized. A lot of people have questions about baptism, and and, and really, it, it boils down to this. In baptism, you go underwater and come up out of water. Why? Because you are reenacting the death 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You go in a dead man walking and you rise as though Jesus has taken your place. It's just a symbolic act. It is a burial so to speak. And so if you repent and you're baptized, and another verse kind of talks about calling on God's name. So all those things, it's it's praying to God, God, I trust that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. And Father, I want to leave my life of sin. I'm going to be baptized, reenacting his death, burial, and resurrection, and I'm going to have a brand new life. That's called being born again. You get a fresh start, a brand new start, a brand new life. And you think, okay, great, this is awesome, because your sin has now been paid for. You were on death row, and somebody stepped in your place and let you off the hook. So you do have to do something. Some people say you don't have to do anything, just believe that. Well, the Bible kind of lays it out there that there is. you have to receive the gift. If, I, if a person comes up to you and says, I'm going to give you $20 million, you say, great, well, what do you got to do? You got to stick out your hand to receive that gift somehow. And God wants you right now, if you've listened to this and any of this hits your heart, he wants you to reach out and take that gift. What does that look like? Well, it might involve you starting off with just a prayer, praying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I confess that I've messed up, and I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then it involves you being baptized into his name. Those two are always connected in Scripture. There's some that argue that you don't need to be baptized until years later. I think in the Bible, it, right there it says immediately they're baptized. And, and, and it's a representation of a burial. So if your dog dies, you don't just put dirt on it. I don't think sprinkling quite <laughs> fully gets the, the point of what it's about. You're not just dro- dripping some water on something. You are immersing yourself into Jesus and coming back up. It's a symbolic act. There's nothing special about the water. The water does not save you in of itself. It's that belief in Jesus Christ combined with that act, and then you rise anew to a new life. So important to do that. And maybe right now that's something you need to do. If you don't know how to do that, if you don't know where to do that, uh, send me an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. I will respond as quickly as I can, and we can talk that over. I'd love to hear about that commitment, but you do not want to wait to do that. But that's not the end of what happens. You see, God is hunting you, and he's not just trying to get you killed. (laughs) He's not just trying to put you under the water, but you come up out of the water. He wants you to now follow his son, Jesus. You now have the Holy Spirit of God inside you that's going to be helping you and teaching you and convicting you of those things that still aren't right. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I still have those moments where I realize I'm wrong. And the Holy Spirit is what convicts me of that and teaches me that. And so the rest of your life, what's the purpose of your life? Well, let's back up a second. Where did you come from? You came from God. Where are you going? Now that you are in Christ, there's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ, that's Romans 8. You will go to heaven. You are now on the path that leads to everlasting life. And heaven, just picture the most beautiful sunrise you've ever seen in the woods. Imagine the most beautiful place that you've ever been in creation. And that right there, my friends, is only a fraction of what heaven will be like. It's not just harps and clouds, okay? I don't actually think that's even an accurate representation. I think it's a place where we get to be with God fully. We're now back with him. If we've been baptized into Christ, if we've called on his name, and we've been saved, we are now back with God, but we still are on this earth, and we still have to deal with the consequences of just a sinful earth. And Satan is still trying to mess things up, and he's going to try and mess things up for you. So here's where we wrap up. 
We are not meant to be a solo hunter. You and I are not meant to be solo hunters. God has told us now that we need to go share this message with other people. If you believe that, uh, what we just talked about, you have a mission. That is to go out and share the good news with other people any way that you can. Maybe it's the way you live and you make people ask questions, or maybe you are uh, a bold person, you're able to preach and, and share a message. Maybe you start a podcast and you're given an opportunity 80 episodes in to share the whole story. Whatever the case, you have a mission, but you are not to do it by yourself. You see, if you read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, you're going to see that you are now put apart on a, on a team. You're part of a hunting collective, a group of people. That's called the church. It's not a place. It's not a building. It's a people. And so I would encourage you that if you have decided to become a Christian or if you want to know more about becoming a Christian, plug into a church. No church is perfect. It is full of people that are just like you and me. We make mistakes and mess up. But church is so important because we are not, I, I hear people say it all the time, well, I just connect better to God Well, I'm up in the tree stand. I get that you might connect better to God, but nothing is going to cause you to grow more than being around other people that teach you and challenge you and cause you to, to grow, to, to not turn back, to not give up. And so that's the importance of church, and church can look different. You can meet in people's homes. You can have people over and go out to dinner, and you can share life together and have some buddies. I have some buddies that we just do Bible studies together on our own. We'll just read things. But you need that in your life. And the purpose of your life now is to show others Jesus and to live for God the best that you can every day, not to earn your way to heaven. You can't earn it. You've, you've not earned anything. Jesus took care of that for you. Now you live as a way of saying thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for saving my life and saving my soul that was destined for hell. Guys, that is the greatest hunting story that I know. God is continually seeking you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son into this world. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. And that's John 3.16. So today, I'd encourage you to pray, to spend some time opening up those scriptures like I just mentioned. And if you have any questions or anything that you are worried about, or if you want to make that commitment today to follow Jesus and you don't even know, you don't, you don't even have to know much more than what I just told you. That's, that's, that's the gospel. That is the good news. You have the rest of your life to continue on the journey and learn more things and grow. But for right now, if you believe in that, would you let me know? Send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com or reach out to somebody that you know that's a Christian. Uh, find some answers. Open up your Bible. And I, I hope that you will do that today. Don't let Satan come in and whisper, you will not surely die. Don't do that. Don't listen to him. Listen to God. Guys, I thank you so much for listening to this. This has been a little bit longer of a detailed explanation. and There's so much more that I could tell you, but I hope that that will be enough to make you think about your eternal state and the purpose of your life and where you want to be. I pray today that you will find God, that you will live for Him, and that you will accept Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I also hope that you will then shed the light. Thank you guys. Have a great day. God bless.